Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I was saying just before the break that I realised the Lord was saying that to me that getting back the heart of a son was all about my relationship with my parents. Now for me, reflecting on, on my childhood, I, I didn't think my mum and dad deserved that from me. You know, because it, it wasn't fair. You know, I should have had a dad who came and watched me playing football. I wasn't, I wasn't a great player, I was never going to make it professionally, but I was a decent player, you know. Um, and what would happen would be guys who, couldn't, who weren't as good, good as me got in the team because their dads came to watch them. So there's this big resentment about my dad not coming to watch me play football. You know, I shouldn't have been sent away from home to give the family a respite and sleeping in a dormitory where I get bullied and all kinds of stuff, you know. I had reasons not to be a son to my parents. But the fact is the Lord was just showing me, John, if you've closed your heart, if you've buried your heart, then that's your responsibility, not theirs. That's the mum and dad I gave you, (laughs) you know. Um, And so I just started coming before the Lord and saying, you know, I'm sorry, Lord, I I didn't realise what I was doing. I know that's not an excuse, but I... I want to have the heart of a son back and one of the things I did which was really hard I cried actually all the way through writing I wrote a letter to my mum wrote one to my dad but obviously I never posted it Um, actually just apologising to my mum for not being a son for not being the son that she deserved asking her forgiveness for treating her the way I treated her growing up you know, and this was this was hard. I, I didn't say sorry for things. You know, um, I don't remember a great deal of regret and and saying sorry being expressed in our family because that's weakness, you see, and you can't afford to be weak. But I wrote in this letter all the times I remembered that where I'd I hadn't behaved as a son, where I'd been disobedient and rude and and rebellious. And I began to thank her for things that she did do. So like sending me for the elocution lessons. You know? Um, all the stuff that I'd been ungrateful for and resented. When actually, as he's changing my heart, I'm realising she did it out of love. That was her way of expressing her concern and her care for me. It's just not the way I wanted it to be expressed. And I posted the letter. And I waited and I waited and I waited I never get a letter back I didn't get a phone call and I thought either she didn't get it or she's going to kill me the next time she sees me <laughs> it was like <laughs> I didn't know which it was because we don't do all that mushy stuff in our family you know all that soppy I love you and, you know we didn't know how to share those kind of feelings or sentiments but anyway, I discovered later that she did get it because she told my mother-in-law about it. If you want to, if you want to keep a secret, don't tell my mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> she's a lovely woman, she is, but don't tell her a secret. <laughs> but when she when she spoke about it to to my mother-in-law, I knew that that she'd she'd forgive me and that the letter meant something to her. And I, I just never thought how much it hurt my mum and dad for me to reject them. 
for so many people, it's, it's not that our mum and dads didn't love us, they didn't know how to, didn't know how to express it. Completely unable to express any affection that may have been in their hearts. Because perhaps they grew up, like I was saying on in, in, in Tuesday, never seen affection demonstrated. And so it wasn't a normal part of life for them. Perhaps they grew up seeing only anger and violence being demonstrated and that's what became normal for them. Because when, when you're a little child and your mum, your dad don't take you in their arms and tell you, I love you. and When they do things that you interpret as wrong and, and cruel and it hurts you, we can grow up our whole lives without knowing any kind of love from a mother or a father. And I guess that's where I thought I was at. I could have said, I would have said, I don't remember experiencing love. I don't remember seeing love demonstrated growing up as a kid. But the changing point, the pivotal point came for me when I put that letter into the post box. Because that's when he started giving me back the heart of a son. And it's when I began to receive that heart, that restoration of heart, that I began to come into a place where I could meet him as my Heavenly Father. And it took place over a period of time, up and up to that place where he, I heard him call me son. The thing is, we can know touches from him. We can be aware of his presence and be in his presence. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, people knew what it was to be healed by Jesus. They knew what it was to sit and listen to him and, and be in the room with him. But not a lot of them followed him. Not a lot of them continued on into relationship with him. And we can do the same in church, in Christianity. We can have touches of God without continuing in relationship and intimacy with him. And what he's doing in the world today is revealing himself as a father. It's one of the major things he's doing. And our part in this revelation is just to come and put ourselves in a place where we can be sons and daughters to him. We may have lost that heart. And if we have, we will find it again in the place we left it, the place we buried it. In relationship with our biological parents. Even if they're not alive, you, it's not really about them, it's about your own heart. So even if they're not alive, you can still do something about restoring your heart in that. Uh, I've, I've become convinced that in, until we have those issues of heart resolved, we will have great difficulty, if not find it impossible, to relate to God as a father. And it's not about knowing that he's up there somewhere, sitting on a throne with a big white beard. <laughs> it's about allowing him to come up close and personal and be a father to, to us. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a son or a daughter? Well, for me, I found myself a, a few years ago visiting my mum. My mum lives in Cornwall, down in Lou. Uh, she retired down there with my stepdad. But she's on her own there now. So a, a, a few years ago, I, went, I was down visiting and I looked out of the upstairs window and I saw that her decking area was, was really quite worn and looked as though it hadn't been, been oiled for a couple of years. So I went, I went to the, the Trago Mills and got the oil and the cleaner and everything else. I borrowed a, a power washer. I spent two days doing her deck. And she never, she never asked me to do it. 
<laughs> I just wanted to do it. I wasn't doing it to get anything from her or anything. I just thought, no, my mum's deck needs done and she's not able to do it herself. I'll do it for her. That was a huge change of heart for me. Huge change of heart. We see in the scriptures what it, what it looks like. You know, David is a little boy. He's probably about 14 years old when Samuel comes to the house. And there's going to be a big feast because the prophet of the, the judge of the nation is coming to visit Jesse and his household. And he has all the sons assembled except David. You know, the instruction was, have all of your sons assembled before me. And yet David wasn't invited. You know, Jesse didn't even consider him to be one of his sons. He left him out in the fields where lions and bears would attack the, the flock. Now if it was me at 14 years old, there's no way I would have been saving, um, saving sheep from the mouth of a lion or a bear. I'd have been hiding in a bothy somewhere. You know, it's like, take as many sheep as you like. <laughs> Just don't take me. But this little boy fights lions and bears to take care of his family's flock and livelihood, even though he's rejected by them and, and treated like an outcast. When he goes to to take the bread and the, the wine and stuff to Saul's army while Goliath taunts them, he meets his, his older brother, Eliab. And Eliab says to him, what are you doing here? Who have you left those few paltry sheep with? I know you. Your heart's wicked and deceitful. So his brothers don't like him very much either and don't think very highly of him. Even when he goes to the palace... Everything seems to be going well. You know, it's where he's been anointed for. But the king tries to kill him. I love, I love what it says, you know, Saul threw his spear at David and David eluded him twice. Why did he stick around after the first time? Do you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, somebody throws a spear at me once, I'm out of there. I'm not going to wait and let them do it another time. You know, so Saul tries to kill him those, on that occasion twice. He sends all of his servants to kill David at his house. He, send, he tries to kill him out in the desert all of these times. And twice David has the opportunity to kill Saul and he doesn't. Even though Saul's trying to kill him. You know, David loses his house, his wife, his status. He loses his place in the army and everything else because of this treatment these, these guys have not been fathers to him at all in fact when, on one occasion when David spares Saul's life he comes out of the cave and he calls down to him and says Saul my father and Saul says to him is that you David my son David thought of that, that, of that father son relationship with the king and when Saul dies, David doesn't celebrate. He mourns. He writes a song celebrating the man who tried to kill him on more than one occasion. When he has to go on the run and people begin to flock to him and come to him at the cave of Adullam, Chronicles tells us that his family came to him at the cave. 
Now David could have stood at the mouth of the cave with his arms folded and said, what do you want? Oh, we need shelter because, because we're your family, the king will kill us. So? That's not my problem. You didn't treat me as family. I was an outcast to you. Why should I give you shelter when you didn't give me any? But he doesn't do that, does he? It says that they went down there to him and he brought them in and they became part of that enlarged tribe or whatever you want to call it. In fact, he went even further than that. This father who abused him, who neglected him, who disowned him almost. David says to the king of Gath, Would you let my mother and father stay with you until I know what the Lord would have me do? Wow. David puts himself in debt because I mean, kings and, and rich people don't do favours. They collect favours. <laughs> so David puts himself in the king's debt so that his mum and dad can have a place to live, not just a, a roof over their head, but in this, a palace, in a king's palace. What happened to him that he could have a heart like that towards the people who so cruelly treated him, Saul and his own dad. I believe that as, as you read the Psalms, we see David lying out in the fields, pouring his heart out to God. And in exchange, I believe, the Father was pouring his love in. You know, you see little glimpses of it, glimpses of it in, say, Psalm 22, when he's saying, you know, all of this horrible stuff is happening, but you are the one who took me from my mother's womb. You cradled me. And it's almost like the father is coming to him in the fields and comforting him with that, those memories. David, don't, don't worry. I'm the one who took you from your mother's womb. Remember, I cradled you. Let go of all the rubbish. Let go of all the cruelty. And so his heart was such that he could love his dad. He could love Saul, even though they both were cruel to him. Even though they both disowned him. I think that's incredible. The power of love to transform a heart, a heart of a boy who was so mistreated and neglected. It's incredible. I, I want a heart like that. No wonder God could say, I found David a man after my own heart. The tenderness, the compassion, the openness, the kindness. Even though he made mistakes and he messed up. God still said, this is a man after my own heart. Wow. And I believe the key was because Father was comforting him and loving him out there in the fields. And I, I started sharing this with the scripture from Malachi. You know, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That's what he was doing when I sent that letter to my mum. Now my mum still is, is a little bit uncomfortable when I put my arms around her and give her a hug. She started saying I love you when she phones and stuff. So it's not only that my heart has been turned towards her but her heart's been turned towards me. can't guarantee that that'll happen to you as your heart changes can't guarantee that your 
parents or guardians' hearts will change like that. But he wants to restore the heart of a son, the heart of a daughter in each one of us. That we might know what it is for him to be a father to us, not just be a master or God off in the distance. He wants to come and be a father to us. I'm going to pray in a minute, but but after we pray, I think I'm going to ask you to do something. We wrote out a list yesterday and we destroyed it. I want to ask you to write a letter today to your mum, to your dad, to your grand, to whoever. You, it's in your heart to do that to. I'm not going to tell you you need to send it. That's between you and God what you do with that letter. He might say send it. He might say keep it in your Bible or whatever. That's fine. He had me send the letter. And in the letter I didn't tell my mum all that she did wrong. Because I've realised over the years, my mum knows what she did wrong. She actually knows that she got it wrong so many times. And she doesn't need me to beat her up for it. She beats herself up. She's not learned that compassion for herself yet, Rose. I just told her what I'd done wrong. And how I'd mistreated her. And I just thanked her for all the stuff that I could think of that she did that was good. You know, I discovered as I grew up stuff that I never knew that there were times when my mum went without food because she had a choice to feed her and my dad or feed the children. And she always chose to feed us. And she would go without. And I never knew that growing up because I, I didn't have that awareness of the world. I discovered that from cousins and, and other people later. And so I was able to thank you for things like that. Thank you that you always put us first. Even though I didn't recognise that as a little boy, that that's what she was doing. And when I wrote that letter to her, there was no guarantee that she would come back to me and say, wow, this is amazing, let's get to know each other better again. She didn't know how to talk about that when I sent the letter. That's why she never told me about it, that she'd got it. And so we're going to just do that exercise of writing a letter or letters, whichever is in your heart. And you may think, I don't want to do this. I don't want to send anything. That's okay. But I would say this is a good exercise for your heart. And when you write it, when you've written it, you just say, God, what do you want me to do with this? And it, it might not be time to send it yet. It might be that he tells you to keep it in your Bible and he might tell you to send it next year or, or never. I don't know. Because it's really not about your mum and dad. It's about your heart. Come to a place where you can begin to receive him as a father to you. And not just as a God distant and far off. So I'm going to pray. We'll stick some music on. Um, I'll do it. I can do it. With, I can do it. Um, and then just find a, a place for yourself to, to do that to write your letter some of you don't look too sure <laughs> you, don't, you, don't need, you don't need to you're not going to burn this or, or anything so you can type it or write it whichever suits you best so Father thank you that it is your desire that we would know you 
as sons and daughters. Thank you that it's your desire to come to us as sons, as children. And not just be God to us, but be Father to us. Thank you, Papa. Did you want to come to us and give us the love that we never knew as little boys and girls? To touch our hearts in ways that we've always desired them to be touched but have never known. Thank you that your heart is towards us. You are for us. Not against us. That we truly are your sons and daughters. And Father, we desire that our hearts would come home to rest in the place of your love. To walk with you as Adam walked in the garden. To walk with you as Jesus walked on the earth. To know what it is to sit upon your lap and to recline against your bosom and hear your heartbeat as you whisper and sing songs of love over us. Lullabies of your love for each one of us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.